the level of relationship building, trust, respect, all that stuff starts coming together. And I, I, we talked about this when we first, when I first started the mini issues, that was the intent. I wanted to make sure that people trusted us with telling a good story. That people trusted us being able to tell character-driven stories. Trusted us with diversity and representation. Trusted us with doing something new and different. The many issues validate all of that. All Every single thing I look to do with the many issues, they do it for us. And Brent Louse. Hey, what's going on? It's a, uh, it's a wonderful Thursday afternoon. It is afternoon. It's already one thirty. Can you believe that? We're supposed to record at twelve fifteen. Look what happened to time. I know. We got a pretty caught up in some good conversation, but it always happens. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. Do you want to just jump in? Let's do it. All right, we can just jump in. Because I, I really can't think of anything right now. It, the last couple of days have been very, I guess you could say, emotional. Uh, not in a bad sense. It's just we got the, or rather I got a sample back from the first mini issue, the print. And the response has been crazy. We've been working on, actually, No. This is actually, <laughs> when this goes out, <laughs> I got it back last week. So last week I got it back. I won't go into what I was getting ready to say. That's actually towards the end of the show. But um, it's, it's, it's been a really great week. We've been, a lot of stuff is happening. A lot of stuff is going on. You guys keep hearing it. You'll actually hear about it in episode 30, everything that we've been going on and on and on about. So let's jump in here. Go ahead, my friend. I'm waiting for you. <laughs> All right. So, so we had another topic lined up, but we pushed it back until after episode 30. But I just want to share something with you. Arclight is really transforming before our eyes. It's amazing. I am so grateful to be part of the Sean West community, and I'm grateful to have the Arclight team around me. They they hold me accountable and they won't support any ideas that aren't in the favor or rather best interest of Arclight. I don't have any yes men on the team and that's the last thing you want on your own. They let me know how it is, what it's going to be <laughs> all the time. They're <laughs> hesitant to tell me if something isn't going to work out, which is awesome. Everything we've been talking about these last several weeks has been really exhaustive and exhaustive in the sense of we've thoroughly just kind of gone down every possible avenue and street 
um, for every question or every proposed idea that's been going on. And just we just keep asking why until we just can't anymore and get to our answer. So as we're kind of refocusing and getting things together, one of those changes results in better podcast episodes, more relevant to you all. And I realized that we sometimes talk about things that may be down the road for some of you. So I wanted to make sure we were providing a great mix of content and topics no matter where anyone is at in this process of creating your first comic. Uh, so I think this, this topic today is actually really relevant. So this came about because we're big on storytelling here. One of the things I thought would be useful was to take you down the process of how we develop our many issues and what all really goes into those. Now, you wouldn't think developing a one-page issue every month would be exhaustive, but they really are. <laughs> We've poured a lot into making these what they are. I, I would say anywhere between 35 and 40 hours per issue. That's a light way to put it. Right. <laughs> I would say it's a little bit more. Maybe a little bit more. Well, just going from the concept stage to the story stage and the time that we put in with Slack. Mm. I think it, it accumulates. Bit. It's almost like a 80 to 100 hours. I would Maybe say. that's more just accurate. perfecting going back and forth and making sure right. that we're bringing uh, the best quality mm-hmm. to the story and to the character and, and the rest of yeah. The representation of the universe. Goodness gracious. Can't even speak today. That, <laughs> this is why you're speaking most of all this stuff today. Well, hell, t- Tim alone puts in like 20 hours of coloring. <laughs> you know, between Tim and Miguel, they, they do like the, the bulk of the art. They are the art. And they put in quite a lot of time. They maybe do 20 hours a piece to be quiet as it's kept. But anyway, um, but yeah, so we just want to take you down this process. Now, because we invest all these hours, all this time, this isn't to say that they're bestsellers, but for a group of people who never put an issue out prior to this, all this going on, I think we've done a really great job so far. And I wanted to share how we go about doing all of this with you all. You know, as you know, Arclight, we're really big on sharing our processes. And this is kind of getting into the revisioning and, and repurposing of Arclight and what we're about, the business model of it all and what episode. But anyway, for those of you who want to do something similar, produce your own mini issue or whatever, I need you to stick around towards the end. Cause we have something for you. If you really want to get your own mini issue, a two, three, four, five page issue out, something just as a statement of who you are, because that's what the mini issues were intended to, to be. It, they were a statement of who we are, the stories we were going to tell. Uh, they were a tool to kind of validate and make sure these were the type of stories and characters that would resonate with our readers and our audience, and they've been working very, very well. So, <laughs> um, I've actually been going around on Instagram asking some of our amazing fans and listeners what they think about Arclight and the responses have been incredible. And I credit a lot of that back to the many issues and the stories that we're telling with those. They've been, uh, I shared those with you guys over the weekend, I think it was. 
You did. You uh, posted it, and I actually have access to to the Instagram account, so I was able to read some of the conversations as well. Mm-hmm. So great feedback. Yeah. It's amazing to see where our refocus was able to accomplish, and people really get to the core and tell us what they really think, and it's spot on, which tells me that we're doing a good um, – presentation of focusing on what the brand aspect of Arclight represents. So all this, including that, is bringing this episode and what we have for you at the end of the show today. Now, if you can't wait, scroll down to the bottom of the show notes on our site. For those of you who aren't familiar with our show notes, we actually type out the entire podcast for you. (laughs) So if listening isn't feasible at this time, or if you're not sure about the content of the show, you can actually skim the show notes to see what we're talking about. Um, There are different headlines. There's bold text there. There's bullet points, block quotes to give you like this picture of what we're discussing in that particular topic and episode. But yeah, if if you can't wait, scroll down. It's big news and it's it's exciting. Hopefully I'm hyping it up enough for you (laughs) to really, really want to see what it is. You've already done this. Um, If you have, go ahead and get it and, and start the process of, of, of doing what that thing is. And, um, but anyway, so let's jump in here on how we go from getting the story out of our heads onto the page. And then for you all to read, cause it's, it's quite a process. And I'll want to preface it with this. Our process is our process. Your process or someone else's process may be different, but this is what works for us at Arclight. It's produced the results you can read for free right now if you go to arclightcomics.com slash minis. Now, we, of course, work together in a team setting, but this can be adapted for those of you who are rolling solo right now. So let's just jump in. So the first part of this process is what we call the storyboard phase. Now, this is where we actually develop the concept for the next issue. This is where we come up with the character in the story we want to tell with that character. It's all about finding the heart and the core message and how that character will be treated in sharing the message with you all. Now, issue three, I remember we wanted to touch on bullying. And each of our characters would have handled that differently. But Go Girl has such a benevolent heart and spirit. On the flip side of her, always wanting the, the attention of, of social media, um, that only she and Tremor would have delivered the right dialogue and tone for that issue. But since we're saving Tremor until the end, issue five here, Go Girl was the right choice to carry the voice and heart of the issue. Now, Solace would have actually, actually been a, another great choice for that, but Solace isn't ready for prime time just yet. Uh, so Go Girl, Tremor, and, and, and Solace would have been great for this. But, you know, Riot would have delivered it comedically. It had, would have had a different tone to it. Braxton would have probably killed those other girls and, and Bolt would have cussed everybody out. So it's like <laughs> um, everyone would have had the same intention to protect the girl and help the girl, but just done differently. And Go Girl was the right vehicle to move the story forward. So we go through that whole process of, you know, determining who's the right voice to carry the tone and the, this, the story. 
And then we went over several different scenarios. Like our, our biggest hurdle to start was the setting. We couldn't figure out, we were on the setting for about 30, 45 minutes to an hour, you know, asking where do we put this set? Like, where do we set this up at? Do we, we already did the alleyway thing with issue one with Bolt. And we did the Trump rally. And we were kind of like, okay, now where do we go? <laughs> so we, we played around with another alleyway idea. But we thought that was too repetitive, so we tried putting it in a mall. And again, you have to put story first. So the mall sounded like a great place for GoGo to be. We had her doing like this book signing or something like that, but then kind of begged the question, why would this group of girls, knowing that GoGo was there, pick on somebody right in front of her? Like the staging was... Uh, it just, it just felt wrong, you know. <laughs> Why would you do that, knowing who this 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 girl is? Pick on and bully somebody right in front of her. It just didn't make sense. So then we went into the high school setting, and but Go Girl was in her late like early twenties, and we kind of asked the question: Well, why would someone who dropped out of high school be caught near a high school? Like, what is she what is she doing there? And you know uh, that didn't make sense either. But where she may be is downtown during the rush hour, catching herself in crowded spaces to be seen as people were kind of getting out of work and going to happy hour, et cetera. Uh, She'd be in the crowd, Instagramming, Snapchatting and so forth. And once kids get out from school and are off the campus grounds, these types of bullying situations tend to happen. Um, And, you know, kids plot on their victims all the time. And that's exactly what these girls were doing at this hour, at this specific location of the day. You, you just kind of take the time to thoroughly go over what's going on in, in that scene. You have to answer to different things. You have to actually put some logic behind things. You know, you just can't oh, plop them in an alleyway. Or plop them down at the mall. Well, what is the reasoning behind this? Does this support the story? Does this support the narrative? Does this enhance the narrative that we're talking about? And we go through that whole process on Skype together. Last week's episode, we mentioned about Marvel artist and current Disney storyboard artist, Tom Morgan. He gave us some feedback of advice on our first two mini issues, issue one and two. One of his suggestments and advisement was to make sure your setting reinforces the story and makes sense to the character in a realistic way. As Ed was pointing out, when it came to Go Girl, it would not make sense to the character and her story for her being in a high school setting. She's in her 20s. Why would she be there to begin with? It makes more sense for the character to be set into the environment of a mall while teenagers are still hanging out there and they're shopping at and that goes to the premise of who Go Girl is. She's going to be shopping. She's going to do a presentation there. Maybe she's doing a lecture. We don't know, but it makes more sense. She has a reason why she could be there. And the story is being supported by the setting in this. And by that setting, it's being supported by the main character and the supporting cast. And then also the girl who is victimized. So setting is huge in this. It plays the factor of creating that atmosphere that environment that allows your story to be crisp as well as your characters to interact in an organic and authentic way. 
we, like I said, we go into the habit of going through several rounds of this before setting on, selling on an idea. Like we just never stop at what sounds good first. We just keep asking the question of why until we've exhausted every single why and end up on what, like what happens next. The same thing kind of happened for issue number two. We had just started getting into the groove of collaborative settings like this for that issue. Issue one, it was mostly just myself. Um, Brent came in on the tail end of issue number one, didn't really have a lot of uh, input um, in issue number one. But issue number two, he had got more input. We had just brought on Neff and Tim. But uh, I, I feel like that would have been a stronger issue had we done what we did with three and four hands down. Like, we were able to do a little bit during the art production phase. Tim and Neff had suggested that Miguel actually show where Braxton's cable was ejecting from on her shoulder because it just kind of showed up in the scene all of a sudden. And having that be actually, you know, uh, shown, it helped make sense of what was going on. And it didn't feel like her shoulder cable appeared out of thin air because that was like the original um, story, or rather drawing of it all. But the point is you have to work your story concept through pretty thoroughly in this stage. We do things quite unorthodox here, quite differently. It just isn't a one, it just isn't one person writing the script. We all come in, Pixar style, and work this thing out. And in this stage, you know, you're not, it's important to not fall in love with your idea. If you're in a team setting or you're going solo, don't fall in love with that initial idea. Keep going. Keep iterating on it. Keep expanding on that idea. Because if you don't, you won't exhaust it and you won't actually get to the best possible story you can tell. If you just fall in love with your idea and, and nobody can tell you nothing and uh, you're not going to change it. Don't, don't get into that mindset. That's not going to work. If you want to use the same process that we're, we're doing, that we do, you can't fall in love with your ideas. You just can't. This is a collaborative setting. And if you fall in love with your ideas, it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> I really like the last point that you pointed out. I'm going to expand upon it a little bit. Okay. Applying our unorthodox approach to story development and character focus allows everybody on our team to give a valid concept or ideas without the fear of rejection and or believing their input is not valid. Mm -hmm. So the Arclight style of storyboarding has allowed each of us to have a voice and thoughts to challenge each other in a helpful and productive way. That is so important from a team standpoint. And we validate each other's mm -hmm. concepts or thoughts so that we can continue the process of brainstorming. And I believe, and from my own perspective, that nobody feels uncomfortable or and or invalidated. Mm -hmm. It goes back to that team approach where even though, you know, Neff is our concept guy, he has an opinion. Mm -hmm. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. Tim has an right. opinion. If we had the janitor, the janitor would have an opinion. Right. <laughs> it, it's one of those things about bringing the team back to a family aspect. Mm -hmm. And I really think that one of our core aspects of Arclight is family. Mm -hmm. We really see each other as family members we validate each other we support each other we love each other we're always there for each other and needs and it plays out in our story stage mm -hmm. so when you're assembling a team i really think that this goes into it make sure that you're 
encouraging, you're bounding, you're respecting everyone's opinions. Because if not, then you're just going to invalidate them and no one's not going to want to work in that environment. Right. You're going to kill that creative passion. Right. And I, I mean, could you imagine if I was the writer, like the lead writer, and we did this and because I was the lead writer and because I, you know, maybe be arrogant and whatnot. And I was like, you know, well, whatever I say goes, I'll, I'll consider your opinions and your suggestions. We wouldn't be able to do any, anything like this at all. It, it really starts with the leader. It starts with whoever is running the show, who's the visionary. If you're solo with thoughts of, of bringing in other uh, contractors and collaborators, you have to set the right atmosphere. And if you've already scrolled down to the bottom of show notes and you saw what we're going to talk about, I actually explain it in depth more of, of what I'm talking about here. But you have to create an environment in which that is allowed. If it's not allowed, this, again, this process isn't going to work. Go find another process to do. Because <laughs> it's not going to work at all. I've, I've taken the time. I've studied Pixar. I've read all the Pixar books. I've, I've done everything I could with researching and studying Pixar to get established an environment in a creative space like this where the guys feel comfortable saying, you know, I don't really agree with that. Neff, like you said, is the concept guy. Neff, he, he, he gets, sometimes he's, he's getting better, but he's quiet <laughs> during these sessions. Sessions. Yes, I'm not the only one that's having problems <laughs> with my speech there. Thank you, Ed. You make me feel right. so invalidated. Right? And- validated. Good. I can't even speak again. Gosh. So much All editing right. for this one. But um, I will pick up on certain things. Like, I, I, I study you guys' body language, and I know you have something to say. So I'll say, Neff, go ahead and say it. Go ahead, say, say what you had to say. And he'll say something that none of us have ever even thought of. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we can't do it that way. You are, that's a strong point. He's done that multiple times before. Right. But imagine if I was so doggone arrogant and egotistical being the lead writer, talking about, well, you know, it's not supposed to be like that, or, well, I'll consider it or whatever. He wouldn't feel that he had the space or room to share an opinion or a suggestion like that. So you have to create that space. That's, that's imperative. If you want this process to work, that space has to be established from the get-go. And if it's not there, find out who's the problem child and get rid of them. <laughs> if you want to do this, you can't have anybody who uh, can't handle constructive criticism, can't handle feedback or nothing like that. You can't have anybody who wants to dictate and take control over everything. I may be... Uh, quote unquote, the, the boss man or whatever, but these guys know that they can they can suggest anything, they can offer up a change or, or a suggestion or whatever the case is at any given time, and I will sit there and listen. It, sometimes we may have to meet halfway. Other times I'll be like, oh, that is a great idea. Let's go with it. I'll toss my idea right out the window and go with theirs with no issue. You know, sometimes I have I take a hard stance on things. You know, which I don't think is that often, <laughs> but um, you have there has to be a give and take. It has to be an ebb and flow. It just can't be all your flow and all your take. You know, so it's very important, very very important for these to be able to do it like we do it. This is very important. So 
Phase number two is what we call story engineering. So once we exhaust everything, we go right into this. So this is where we take everything we worked out in the storyboarding phase and start translating it into a script and dialogue. So we may toss around some dialogue during the storyboarding phase, but this is where we actually go into it like for real, for real. <laughs> we construct the scene, the dialogue, etc., from beginning to end. Uh, back in issue three, it was pretty interesting. As we were talking, Brent was the one kind of manning the script and typing things out as we were talking. So there are some cases where one of us will just like retreat and fall back and write the script while the others construct the story verbally. Because we're on Skype. We're all on Skype during this. Uh, this this whole thing, and everything we were saying, he was putting into the into, into a script format. So as we're talking, it's it's being written. I think that that's very important because you can't remember everything. So somebody has to be like the note taker. Somebody has to be there, making sure that the 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 story that you're engineering is being document documented as it's being talked about. Otherwise, you're going to forget the bits and pieces. So that's very important. So one of the more interesting things, though, is when I switched out over into the script to add something to it, to change up some of the dialogue. Um, and Brent brought in some of his career experience. I was kind of steady going with this idea with me and Neff. Tim had uh, a bathroom break or something like that. And Brent interrupted. And he said, no, 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 that isn't authentic that's not how it would go someone with problems like this shouldn't be hearing it like that um they would say it more like this this that and the other and the nuance of that how it went from one tone to the next really changed the story up and that was very what's the word i'm looking for uh it was it, it just let me know that the, the collaborative setting of building a story together is worth building for your studio. It really right. is. So when, was, when this was taking pr- uh, place, my approach to the story and characterization of Go Girl and the victimized uh, girl that was in the story was to make sure that the dialogue was authentic. And I brought in, as Ed noted, my own experience as a counselor and studying psychology. Before, I would always keep psychology and comics separate. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I never married the two together. I never found that. I always kept them in separate domains. Who knows what the reason why? But I'm a big advocate for educating individuals on mental illnesses. My focus was to make sure a sensitive subject matter, such as self-harm behavior, was portrayed and correctly with an authentic approach. It goes back to making sure that we're presenting this in a very proper manner so that way you don't offend somebody from a story standpoint you're making authentic you're not giving a bad approach to it you're not adding to the negative stigmas that we see in social media in our society so one of my favorite lines that we used for go girls catchphrase was if nobody told you today go girl loves you and when we were ending the script and i went to the bathroom break and i was hearing the dialogue back and forth this popped up to me and I, best, I based this catchphrase on a real-life person, a security team member at the teen center back in the day. 
and his name is Jimmy, and he acted as a father figure to our teenagers. Uh, the catch phrase that he would use would be daily, and he would say this. And in times of crisis situations, he would say, if nobody told you today, Jimmy loves you. And I saw the power that it had and how it changed the lives of our teenagers by someone saying and hearing that they are loved. Besides being an addict, having behavioral problems and struggling with being recently diagnosed with mental health disorders. At the end of this issue, I informed the team that we should put the suicide hotline and the website to make sure that if somebody read this, who is personally struggling with it and or knew somebody who was battling an addiction of self-harm to have a research to reach out. It was taken into that extra step from my own experience of studying psychology and wanting to be a therapist. And it was making sure that there was a resource with that. It had brought a new level to it. And I might be biased. It's still one of my favorite issues. I felt it went to another higher level. But if I didn't feel comfortable with speaking and I just let it, I would have regretted not being able to pour in my own talents with understanding psychology and having my first world experience. And that's the other thing with the story engineering is with your characters, base them off of people that you know, base them off of stories that you know. That's how you get that real aspect, that authenticness behind it. When you pour that into it and you pull your own soul into the soul of the character, it's going to resonate in the story. And I think that's why... Gold Girl was such a beautifully told story to the part that I believe when after you read it, you like we all had like we were reading it. And when Go Girl says, you know, if some if nobody told you today, Go Girl loves you, that just hits a core. Like even now, like I just get goosebumps from it. Like that just hits on a such a personal level. Really does. It was a really powerful. Heartfelt script and. Again, your storyboarding phase is to understand the heart of the story. You have to have your heart in there. You do. It's not optional. It's a requirement. So you figure out what your heart is. The heart and the core message needs to be driven throughout the story engineering phase. You know, you you need your cause and effect and you need your action and reaction going on here. How is this going to add to or, or, or communicate the heart of the story? And that line that was delivered really just kind of sealed the deal. It, it's still one of my favorite lines. That in, in hashtag uh, get the F out of here. <laughs> that that was actually really, really, I think I added that in there. Yeah. You yeah. did. That was um, yours. I'll get to that down. I think I talk about it in the script. No, I don't. I talk about it in the in the in the thing that we haven't mentioned yet. But so one note with this is what Ed was mentioning with the power of dialogue. Mm-hmm. You're just not. I just want to tell you, you're you're just not throwing words down. You, there needs to be a purpose behind those words, and it needs to flow organically. There needs to be a purpose with it. And when we we're able to get that, and it was able to flow from the conversation of our girl our victimized girl, to Go Girl, we went from something what Go Girl was able to do with the hashtag, you know, to making like a comment statement being assertive to Go Girl actually showing an authentic side to her. And she shared her own personal thing, which we were able to do. And I remember you mentioning that in one of our conversations, and I brought that in. I remember when Ed, a couple weeks, uh, 
past that, he mentioned something of an element to Go Girl. And I was like, this is the perfect time to show that, mm-hmm. to say that. Right. And when we were able to do that, it just, it resonates so right. much. Now more. it's like her Your thing. dialogue. It's her thing. Right. And now it's her catchphrase. <laughs> right. And that's based off, like I said, it's based off a real person. Uh-huh. I know the power and effect with that. Because mm-hmm. there was something else. She was like, uh, she said something. I have to pull up, because I don't remember what she said. It was something like, um, you need to get out of here or you girls better leave or something like that. I was like, would she really say this like that? And this is where in the story engineering phase, you get to kind of play with the dialogue and dial it to how, like in the storyboarding phase, you can put something generic in there, you know, something that will carry the story from start to finish. But in the story engineering phase, you dial it to how the character is going to stay, say it. And she wouldn't, I, I really felt that who she is as a person, she wouldn't just kind of say, you know, you better get out of here. She would say it in a, in a way that was, authentic to her so hashtag get the f out of here like it and now it's like her thing like you was you said it i think in the last episode you said something like hashtag something and i said oh god it's it's, high, it's happening like <laughs> it is i actually do it now uh i actually drive my oldest niece nuts <laughs> she's 16 and i do everything i'm always like hashtag this hashtag that she gets so pissed with it she's like that's so lame and stuff and i'm like it's such go right because uh what's the the overwatch character tracer who i absolutely love that's my favorite love character and she said uh the calvary the calvary is here you know that's like her thing and i was like i actually that was it was unintentional. I did not intend to develop a catchphrase for Go Girl, but it was just something she would say. And now even in issue five, she says, you know, like hashtag on everything. It wasn't my fault or something like that. Like she, it's just like it's her lingo, language now. It's in her lingo. It's her vocabulary. Right. So you take the time right. in the engineering phase again to dial the generic text you put in there. Don't spend all that time trying to get the, get the dialogue right in storyboarding. Get it right in story engineering. And then you, you do that there, you know, and to, to get your, just get everything just right. So very, very interesting. So, and this is one of the things I've always wanted to happen. <laughs> this was actually planned out years ago for Arclight. When you, when you don't pull all your talent from the same pot, when you get multiple different pots going on, you get a diverse mix of people from all walks of life, adding their culture, their vocational, their racial their ethnic and so forth experiences into the mix. If Brent wasn't here, we really could have missed out on a lot of these elements. <laughs> we really could have. Um, this is why I'm such a proponent of getting women on the team. For issue five, I actually uh, called in some of my, my friends, Chris and Jess, who I've been trying to get to join Arclight for the longest time. But I said, hey, ladies, uh, you know, we have our last issue going out. Um, issue five, we, we want to make sure that uh, they're, they're coming from an authentic place, their they're dialogue, stuff like that. And Jess had read it. She said, Ed, this is excellent. She said, uh, you aren't, uh, you're, you're, she said, you're, 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 you did the, 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 your female characters justice. I actually love the fact that Braxton called out something. She said, two thumbs up from the lady squad. I said, yes. <laughs> So it's 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 very important to me and the rest of the guys that we get those nuances in there, that we're actually right. treating everybody this, with respect, all of our characters with respect, and getting these things right. So, you know. Um, but anyway, so let's let's, let's go on uh, here. So the next phase we get into is the art production. 
So this is where the pencils get drawn, inks, colors, all that stuff. So when we finalize a script, well, I do I do mention it. <laughs> mention it. I'll do a spot check. And I normally do these because I know that these or rather I know these characters inside and out. Y'all are just kind of still getting acquainted with the characters and who they are. I've been around some of these characters for almost 10 years now. <laughs> Mainly that's that's Tremor. Um, but I'll go through the dialogue and some of their actions just to kind of clean it up before sending it off to Miguel. And once we get it over to Miguel, Miguel does like this, his Hogwarts voodoo magic on the script and somehow lifts all the soul and the emotion and story from the script and puts it onto the page with his pencils, his digital pencils now. And we actually give Miguel very little direction in the scripts. Very, very little. <laughs> it isn't much. There's something to be said about trusting your artist. Not sure there will be changes in feedback, but we pretty much give Miguel the autonomy to exercise his profession in a way that's comfortable and freeing for him. If you micromanage your artist too much, it stifles their creativity. Too often do people get into like this habit of wanting to control every aspect of everything. Like I understand it's your baby, but if you're pulling in a professional, a real professional, have some faith in that person. Miguel has my trust 100% when it comes to the issues. He'll be working on a prequel issue, our novels. I don't want another artist at all for any of that stuff. <laughs> just want Miguel. So, but once he's finished, and after a couple of rounds of feedback between the team and myself and uh, with Miguel, he'll finalize the pages. He'll, you know, uh, screenshot some of the, the the progress of it all. Um, and then he'll send over the final digital pencils at the resolution and size of a billboard. And then Tim and I get to get started with the colors. And Miguel will, I, I really think he, he thinks we're going to put it like, on a wall or something bless his heart because the, the it, literally the size is enormous away <laughs> but i'm not complaining because if we, we need, if we need to blow it up and put it on a billboard we can so that's always <laughs> a good thing <laughs> but yeah uh so that's pretty much the art production phase for um that I, unfortunately we don't have tim here on this episode Tim is Tim has his own little process on how the colors work with the flats and uh, we try to do some cell shading with the colors just to you know see how test that style out and he would inform us that because the inks are so thick or rather we're so thick in issues two and three you actually can't really successfully get a, a good cell shade on there because you know the something with the inks they have to be a certain type of way a certain width and and and, and weight and it just won't work out that way so it actually very educational um the the things that he was explaining to us like what we were limited to because of the inks were a certain way and what we now are able to do because Miguel does digital pencils so we have that back and forth uh with that you know with Tim uh issue number 3 again you have to remember at every step of the process, there's a, there's, a, there's a potential for everything to accent or enhance the story. So Tim will, you know, he'll do his, his run through his first couple passes and then he'll show it to us. 
and then I'll give them some feedback. A lot of the feedback tends to be with the lighting of everything. Um, oftentimes, Tim will go like really dark on his lights, and I'll be like, you know, we I, I really want us to communicate such and such type of mood here. Like I really want us to feel something, and you're able to control that with lighting and color and things like that. You know, some of the 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 later scenes in issue number three panels, I wanted those to be softer. You know to kind of capture the entire mood and feel of what was going on so everything complemented the dialogue. We had a lot of dialogue in that issue. That was the first time we had that much dialogue. And because the dialogue was so powerful, I knew I wanted the colors to complement and accent what was going on. So we spent some time going back and forth working on that, um, giving him some examples. I would pull, I usually pull images off of Google. Like, you know, I want you to kind of do this with this and uh, take a look at this and see how, you know, this is, they're capturing this mood with this and understanding color psychology and things like that. You know, again, with me and Pixar, I, I, I watch so much and see what they do. They take, I mean, even with them, when they get into that phase of their production, they spend a lot of time with the colors and the lighting to communicate mood, feel, and emotion all the time. Nothing is just by happenstance. Everything's very intentional and purposeful. So I take what I've learned from Pixar and bring it over into a comic aspect to do the same thing. It's just, you know, they do 3D animation. We do 2D sequential art. We're just missing, a, uh, we're just missing, missing movement and another dimension. <laughs> It's generally the same, though. So <laughs> you make those connections and, and, and you build those relationships between uh, what Pixar is doing and what we're doing, and you can pull in the same type of thing going on. But that production phase with the art is a is a moment for us to capture, accent, enhance the story going on, and we take that time to do it. So then we move into the lettering, and that's where I get to go experiment some more and learn some more. So this is every issue. It's a new challenge. This is my first time lettering like this ever in my life. I'm not a letterer. I'm not a professional letterer. Um, I've just been, I took a course off of Linda.com. I've cracked open my milestone books to see what they were doing, but I've never again, letter prior to this. I, it's, it, it's an interesting process. That'll really make or break your comic. And I've become so much more aware of this as I've, I've been doing it. It's more than just putting words inside of a balloon and drawing the tail. Those words, tails, balloons, and captions are responsible for carrying the eye movement and direction of the story. And it's a beautiful marriage of pictures, art, and words that shouldn't be taken lightly and need to be given more weight than what you think. Everybody's oh, I'll do lettering myself. And then you can't you can't figure out why the words are all squished up and everything else just kind of looks off on the on the page. But don't just jump in there and do whatever. Like you have to get to the principles of lettering. Understand what's going on at the fundamental levels of lettering and apply those. You need to take some type of course, some type read some type of book, something. If you're going to do it on your own. Issue three, again, was a challenge because we had a lot of dialogue. That was the most dialogue we ever had in this issue. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, I must have went through several rounds of lettering to get it right, too. 
There were integral moments where I could not cover up the art. Otherwise, the composition and story got destroyed by the balloons and the text. I had to be really strategic in how I placed the dialogue and the balloons and how dense I made each balloon. It was the first time I had come across a heavy conversation between two characters, too. And it all needed to really flow without being disrupted by something stupid. <laughs> I couldn't afford to make any mistakes on that issue. And, you know, by stupid, I mean, you know, a, a simple mistake. Uh, I was just pretty much on Google and in my, my graphic novels I have here, just kind of tearing apart Google and those novels to get examples from how the pros do it um, to handle those types of scenes. Then there's the part of what to bold and where to give emphasis. And, you know, I really had to pay attention to the story we were telling and tap back into the heart of where the characters were pulling these words out from. You have to always go back. You always have to see like you always have to do a lot of inserting yourself into the character's shoes to find out where these emotions and where this dialogue is coming from. Again, you just don't throw words at the page and be like, oh, it's done. Even in the lettering, even in the coloring, <laughs> you have to go back in there and understand the scene that's going on and developing. You just don't throw colors on something and, oh, it's done. No. What is going on here? What time of day is it? I mean, we we, we had like a an in-depth conversation with issue number four on the time of day it should be. <laughs> should it be nighttime? Should it be, uh, should the sun just be rising or should it be setting? Should it be mid-afternoon? You know, what complements the story here? What really is going to give us the best story to tell? It's a lot going on. You have to pay attention to all these different nuances. Just don't throw things on the page and call it a day. Go back in there and figure out where all this is coming from. And that's what I had to do. With all you know, the bolding and, and the emphasis of words and, and how I was structuring the balloons and stuff like that, because um, you know there's there's pain and then there's worry and there's sorrow, there's hope, there's hopelessness, there's anger, there's defeat. There's a whole lot going on in this issue, and you have to make sure you're capturing all of this through every element, coloring, lettering, whatever. So we spend a lot of time. <laughs> Making sure all of this happens. There's a lot. I think you were right about 80 to 100 hours because <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot of back and forth because Slack he always keeps telling me, you guys, there are uh, we have a limit of 10,000 um, messages that we can see. There's a backlog in there we have to pay for, get the premium uh, membership to, to go back and see. So there's no way we've, we've hit 10,000 messages already. As much as we go back and forth and start doing a mini issue, I can see why we would have over 10,000 messages <laughs> and not be able to get access to the backlog because it, it's, it's very intense how we go back. I mean, we do the Slack. We create uh, video reviews and feedback. I'll, I'll oftentimes, the guys will ask, Tim may ask, can you give me some feedback on something? And I'll create a video. Words are more powerful. Or rather, talking is more powerful than just typing it out on Slack a lot of, a lot of the times. So anything, nothing is uh, miscommunicated. So we'll do a whole lot of that. It's a lot of back and forth, you know. And to get all this to work together, this is what you have to do. Even if you're going solo, talk to your who you're collaborating with. If you're if you're working with an artist, a letterer, an inker, whoever, talk to them. Open up strings of communication to get it right. 
Boom. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) The only thing I was going to add with uh, lettering was that I'm learning the self-exploration of it as well. And exploring the element of lettering through Manga Studios. And I will tell you, this is not an easy skill set to learn. It is, as Ed pointed out, an art form of itself. There is a lot of thought that needs to be emphasis on how your dialogue flows. Your lettering can enhance or destroy your story. Everything builds on each other. Right? Your sketches build. Let's go back to your idea builds on the story. Your story builds on to the artwork. Artwork gets to the rough stretches, to the inking, to the coloring, to the balloon stages, then the dialogue. Everything plays in that, and it needs to be in sequence. And remember, when you're lettering as well, any mistakes in the placement and format of your balloons need to be visually enhancing the reading experience. The dialogue has to flow together with the story and the art, right? It it has to be mirrored. There has to be equilibrium. There has to be a balance between it. And a simple mistake can take your reader out of the story. And that for that one second, the escapism of being engulfed into the story and the universe has been tainted. Your audience will remember that. Trust me. It has happened to me when I've read certain comic books that I did not, did not have good lettering mm-hmm. in the format the, of the flow of the balloons. And I've read like another like balloon that was not supposed to. And then like I'm out of the story and I'm like, you know what? Forget right. it. I'm done. Like... <laughs> Don't kill that. Right. It, it plays into this. Like everything builds off each other. Just don't think that you could just throw this in kind of and with duct tape and then <laughs> have like a presentation. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, you know, that's just how I feel right. about that. But everything serves with a purpose. So like there has to be a format and structure with this. There's an art form to this. This is why this is a consider a graphic novel. There's a visual element. There's a dialogue with the writing. There's a tone as Ed was talking about. Their atmosphere and environment are important. With the tone, with the lighting, the dialogue, the self-expressions, the body language of your characters, everything plays off of each other. And that one second that something doesn't make sense or gives away and that escapism is gone, you're, you're done. You lost your reader. You lost your reader and you just destroyed a, a, what could be a possibly a beautiful story. And I, I would say this, issues, because it was so dialogue heavy, I actually printed out the pencils for that issue on my printer. And I sat here at my desk maybe about an hour and I drew out all the bubbles, went over them in my head with, you know, pencil and an eraser. Um, took me a while to understand the flow that was going on. because I, I usually drag them into Photoshop um, to lay them out, but just that wasn't enough. I, sometimes it's just best just to work off the computer. It's nice to put your hands on something every once in a while. It gives you a different perspective. Right. So in, in figuring all that out, like Brent said, you just can't throw it in there with duct tape. Otherwise, you break the immersion of somebody falling. Like, you, you, you have to understand, we, leave from, we read from left to right, top to bottom. You also have to consider the art. You just can't cover up anything. <laughs> you also have to consider the density of the text, the size of the balloons, all that stuff, the captions and stuff. All that stuff has to go in there. And it's your job, like Brent said, it's an art form to make sure that all the lettering complements everything else that's going on. If not, again, you break the immersion if you lose somebody in your story. So if you're going to do lettering on your own, learn 
the fundamentals and the principles behind it. Don't just jump. Oh, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. And that's why with me, I think it's taken a little bit longer because I could sit there and duct tape it. But knowing myself and how I want to learn things, I want to make sure that I'm understanding the principles behind it. I'm understanding the flow. Right. And if you've never done it before, it's different. Like Ed was talking about, like the different, um, you know, the windows that he uses for uh, Illustrator. Like I have Manga Studio. I'm still learning that. I've never worked in Illustrator. I've never worked in Manga Studio. That's different for me. So if I just didn't care and just threw things together, that impacts the story. So I would recommend if if you are doing this solo and you don't want to learn this, please hire a professional there. It goes. You have no idea how much that will save you time and energy, and it's worth the payment for it. it is. You have tons of great indie letters out there that are doing a fantastic job, and they know exactly what they're doing. If you cannot do it, hire a professional to do it. Mm-hmm. Or take this, the, the seven, nine, ten hours it takes right. to, 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 for first and foremost, maybe about a week to understand <laughs> the principles and then the time investment it takes to actually sit there and do it. I always under, under, underestimate. Oh, it'll take me about an hour to do this. No, nine, 10, 12 hours later, I'm still, ah, no, nah, it's not flowing right. You know, <laughs> I'll drop it in Slack. Y'all let me know, like, what, what is this? How is this going? You know, is this flowing? I'll come back and add, add, add uh, emphasis to certain words and things like that. So it's a lot. So do it right. Do it the right way. This is also the part of the process. Do it. If you're not going to do it the right way, don't do it at all. Don't, don't stop listening to the episode. We should probably just say that. 30 minutes ago. That's it. We're done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just said the whole episode. One right. <laughs> do it the right way. We take time. <laughs> Don't do it. Right. <laughs> take the time to actually do it the right way. It takes time to do it the right way. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a time investment, but Hey, you get one shot, do it right. But anyway, so we've learned a lot doing these many issues. <laughs> We are. We've been self-teaching ourselves. Right. And you know what? That, that's just part of the team aspect. We're bringing out the best qualities. You bring your branding expertise. Uh, Tim's brought into his shipping expertise recently with a lot of our stuff that we're doing with the posters. Uh, you know, Neff brings his own perspective. He's a millennium. On top of that, he's the younger generation. You know, me, Tim, and Ed are a little bit older. You know, we're close to our 30s or 30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a different generation. What worked for us back in the day doesn't work for the new generation. So we need to keep that conscious that we're doing justice with making sure we have that equal balance to find that audience, making sure that we're resonating with both. And so, like you said, we're playing off of each other's strengths. And that's what you need to do as a team is play off of each other's strengths and work through the weaknesses. Right. If you're going solo, again, open lines of communication. Right. Talk to each other. Get on Skype. Email, don't always do it. Get mm-hmm. on Skype. Talk to Talk people. To Learn from people. Right. Do that. So after all that said and done, done with the lettering. The lettering is the last thing we do. Now, other people say you need to do lettering before you do coloring. Um, we're actually going to experiment with that in issue number five, but it's still pretty much generally the same process. And we're, no matter if we reverse the, the lettering and the coloring process, whatever, it's just, you know, I think if I put lettering before we do the colors, um, Tim won't have to color as much, but at the same time, you know, I, I also use the colors to influence the dialogue. I actually, I actually may actually change the dialogue. I change some of the dialogue depending on 
the colors and the rhythm that's going on with the, with the story. I'll change it up to complement it, you know? So it's, it's a whole lot of cross-pollination going on here. I, but yeah, so then we, <laughs> then I, we do like a, a, a final read-through to check for spelling errors to make sure everything looks okay. And then we do all the marketing to get all the social uh, images created for everything. We will schedule out all the posts. All the posts get automatically scheduled out and pushed to Facebook, Instagram, the newsletter, on the website. Like everything just automatically goes out without us touching anything on that on the day that they're released. And uh, that's that. So <laughs> that's pretty much our production process for the mini issues. It has been fun. It has, you know, in, in, in this short time, it, it's been amazing. I think one of my biggest takeaways has been that, again, every part of the process has the potential to carry and tell the story. That's fascinating to me. You can't give something more weight than the next, from the pencils to the inks to the colors to lettering. Like, all that stuff matters. If you're just throwing things together, not thoroughly working the story out, ignoring how lettering truly makes an impact, then it's going to produce some really lackluster results and you can't afford to do that. Like, could we have made better issues? Absolutely. I absolutely think we do. <laughs> we should have given ourselves some more time like we did with issues four and five. But the point at this stage of the game was to get that practice, that public accountability. Like, we actually did it. You know, we said what we were going to do. And to work out a system for us. Now we have a process. Because now, now that we have a system, we go into these sessions from start to finish and they were, are able to complete the issues, you know? It's a system where as we scale up in complexity to a full issue to graphic novels, it'll scale with us to help us tackle the, 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 the bigger sized stories, you know? So too often do we want to start off trying to eat the entire cow, not realizing that if we just take a bite at a time, we will eventually have eaten the whole thing. We want to get the whole cow down in one gulp. But grab you a fork, a knife, and your favorite condiment and take it one bite at a time. This is this is the process. And I think this is flourishing into the beauty of Arclight because we take the time to not only develop systems and processes to all these things, but are willing to share them with others. That's like our one of our staple pieces there. We have Unleash the Soul that's in development. It's a it's a freaking system, Brent. It's a formula. <laughs> I I know. I look at it now. <laughs> it's a f- it, it like intimidates me a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes I like open it, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> But it, you know what? It is great uh, content, I would say. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going uh, to finish this. I, oh, I, I'm okay. Sorry. Just wanted to sorry, flow. sorry. You're go, fine. Go, go, So it's, it's a formula to creating great characters and stories over and over again, right? Like an assembly line on how to produce Spider-Mans and Wonder Womans. And then we have a process our listeners can actually start doing today. You can get our mini issue process right now. We just gave you like a brief overview for those who are 
wanting to actually produce your first issue, mini issue, whatever it is, but don't know how to get down with the get down on the process of it all, we got something for you today. (laughs) It's a guide, comprehensive guide, compact, jam-packed guide. (laughs) I was explaining it to Brent before the, the episode. It's like 25 minutes of explaining what's all in it. But Again, this was an overview, overview, but in that guide, we're sharing the actual scripts. The actual scripts, Brent, from issue four and whatever else. I can't remember what other issues we put in there. Uh, it, it's going to take you down the process of us developing issue number four, Deep Waters, which I believe, again, is our strongest issue to date. Uh, we go through everything, everything from start to finish. So if you wanted to start producing your own mini issue or a three to five page issue or 22 page issue, whatever the case, something that isn't going to cost you a lot of money and time just so you can test the waters and get something out there um, that you can uh, validate and and see if your stories and characters are going to resonate with your audience before you invest thousands, thousands of dollars into an issue, 22 page or whatever, or graphic novel, then you can get this, this guide right now. Like, you can get it. <laughs> Just if you go to arclightcomics.com slash store, it's right there waiting for you. It's 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 there, it's in there. We had it all had it all set up. <laughs> we worked all week on this, <laughs> all late nights, early mornings, getting this produced for this specifically for this 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 episode. Um, and remember that, you know, this, this scales, we produce one page issues. You can do two, three, five, whatever, 15 page, 70 page. Don't actually recommend it. If this is your first issue, test waters first, (laughs) don't go run off spending $5,000 on an issue and then nobody likes it. But that's the beauty of the systems and processes we take the time to make for ourselves. You don't have to do this. You don't have to make your own process and system. We we've already done it for you. Like this is, we actually, we, we enjoy figuring this stuff out because I, I like replication of the same thing. I like being able to, to, to make tremor and then be able to produce a bolt, a riot, a solace and whoever else, you know, I like being able to produce the same quality of something over and over and over and over again with the many issues, you know, I love it. So if you want to get started today producing a strong first mini issue, a test issue, or whatever the case is, go get that guy right now. There is going to be links to it on the site, uh, the homepage on this page at the bottom. There should be one in the sidebar. Uh, if you want to get immediate access, again, go to arclightcomics.com slash store. Sitting in there, chilling in there, waiting, waiting right there for you. Uh, <laughs> so this will have an introductory rate. Please pay attention to this, all right? So from today, Thursday, June 16th, okay, 2016, up until Monday, June 20th, 2016, this will be at an introductory rate. I'll explain this in a minute, what all this this means. After... This period from Monday, or rather from Thursday to Monday, the price will go up and it will never be reduced again. I just want to make this clear for everybody. Arclight is not a discount brand. We aren't going to ever be running a Memorial Day, a Labor a Labor Day, a Mother's Day, just because it's Tuesday, 
any type of whatever day discounts. <laughs> Let me explain this. I respect loyalty. I respect early buyers. Now, have you ever purchased an app from an app store and then a month or two later they run a sale on it? Like you paid $4.99 or $9.99 on the app and now it's $0.99. Cents. Brent, that is a giant, hey, you know, we know you pay full price for this, but screw you anyway. We need to run this sale to make <laughs> make our sale figures go up just because it's the second Tuesday of the month and we can. Right. That is a slap in someone's face who paid full price. You mean to tell me I paid $10 for this app and now you're running it at less than a dollar? I could have just waited. Sorry, chose the wrong day. Right. It's a smack in the face of the customer. It is a smack in the face. And I don't ever want anyone to ever go through that experience here, ever. It is the price that it is. The only time a price will be reduced is during introductory pricing, meaning when we launch something new, it'll be discounted for a limited time before it goes up, and it goes up indefinitely. It will never be lowered again. I promise you that. Have my word. We will never, ever run a discount at Arclight. Never. <laughs> Now, I also believe in rewarding loyalty, as I said, meaning if you get something at an introductory price and let's say we have an update to the book, like a like a version 2.0 down the road, your loyalty will be rewarded for it. I can't go into all the details because this is new to us still. We're still developing everything, but I will never leave our earliest buyers hanging like ever. So you have... Right now, today, up until Monday, to get the book at this price. I, I promise you, I don't care how much we're begged or asked or whatever, this will never be <laughs> at the introductory rate ever again. I got to keep saying this because somebody will come up Tuesday. Can I get it at the introductory rate? No, you cannot. This is the window. It will be advertised on Instagram and Facebook. But if you're listening to the podcast, you already got a leg up. Please get it between now and Monday before it goes up. Okay. So I think that's a wrap. That is. Do you need to take like a water so break or something? No. I know. <laughs> I, I'm excited because I want to see I want to see cuz a lot of people keep asking this question like how do you how do you do the issue? Like how do you how do you do right. all this from start to finish? And there's no comprehensive guide out there. Like, there's books out there. I've, I've ordered some of them, and they're really generic. It's those books that are like, you need, you need a story. Okay, cool. I know that. You need a plot. You need some characters. You need some interesting characters. It's kind of like, okay. I knew that coming in here. You need, you need a, a script. All right. It's almost like Captain Obvious. Like, yeah, we already know this. <laughs> right. Right, like these these Captain Obvious books, it's just kind of like, why? Why did you produce something like this? Like, this is general knowledge. I know I need these things, but please break it down for me. And in this book, as I was telling Brent, everything is being broken down. From how to find an artist, how to set up a relationship with an artist, the red flags you need to be looking out for before you jump all in with an artist, the questions you need to ask an artist before you start a working relationship with that person. We go over 
some of Miguel's feedback for Tim on how to improve the lighting. It's a lot of stuff. But like I said, we're, we're going to share our process. We're going to share the whole process. We're going to break everything down. <laughs> break every single thing down. So I'm very excited to be putting this on um, for you all. Again, introductory pricing. Get it at the introductory rate. Because after, after Monday, 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, once 12 o'clock hits, that price is going right back up. It's not coming back down ever again, <laughs> ever. So get it at the introductory rate. And once you get it, start doing the work. Like we're, we're, we're giving you the process, but you have to actually do the work. You need to be doing the work. And I'll, the, the, the another thing is we've actually broken it down to where if you have a team, whether you have a team or a studio, I'd rather – whether you are a studio or just doing this solo, you can still use this process. Give you ways and directives for both on how to do both through the process. So it's awesome. Well said, my friend. Well said. Awesome. So you're ready to wrap everything up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. This okay. Is a long episode. <laughs> Let me just end with one quote that I found for you okay. guys, for our listeners, since last week I was not able to present a quote. So hopefully you worked on our challenge with last week. If not, shame on you. You have another week to go. It's your second chance. So the quote of this week is from Pixar's Principles by their own creative officer chief, John Lannister. Hopefully I pronounced this Lassiter. Lassiter. Thank you. Mm-hmm. There we go. See, that's what I've had. <laughs> So one, these are just like, these were bullet points before, but I threw them into like a whole sentence. So listen up, dream like a child, believe in your playmates, dare to jump in and make waves and unleash your child look, childlike potential. So again, we're huge fans of Pixar. Apply this stuff. Uh, Ed's done research on this. I've applied a lot of team building stuff that I've learned too from a psychology standpoint. We're excited about this. That's why this episode's a little bit longer in depth with it. But hey, you know what? It's worth it. It's letting you guys know what's going on with the e-guide and how amazing it's going to be for you guys, how helpful it's going to be. And I'm super excited for it. So Ed, where can they reach us at, my friend? ArclightComics.com slash store. Go get the guide. Go produce your first test issue. Get it validated. See if it resonates. See how people respond to it. See if you can get some feedback on your first issue. This isn't. We're not playing any more games. This is game time is over. Play time is over. It's time to work. This is how you start this next phase of your career or whatever you want to call it, your your, your business or or if you want to work in comics or whatever. This is how you start. Go get the book. And apply it. I want to actually want to start seeing stuff. Like if you if you get the book, shout me out on on Instagram at Arclight Comics, and then I'm expecting to see something a month or so down the road. I want to see what you produce. Okay. May even put some of them on the Arclight Comics site. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) So do that. And Brent, they can actually reach you at arclightcomics.com slash store as well, right? They can. Uh, well, I'll go a little bit more into detail about maybe in our after show. Uh, after show? We'll change it. Yeah, we'll okay, do a little bit change. That way I can let everyone know. Sounds okay. good. 
Well, everyone, have a great week. Thank you for listening. We appreciate doing the show. Um, We love the feedback that you guys gave us with uh, the mini issues. We love getting comments from you guys. It's very inspirational, especially when we're going through our lows with this, with being first-time indie creators ourselves. So it gives us motivation, and we're super excited about this. And no words can express it. So have a great week. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Bye. All right. See ya. See, see you in the after show. Okay, so now we're in the after show. So why, why don't you go ahead and explain? Oh gosh, what's going on <laughs> with you? I'm actually when you when you get done, I'm going to go some more into the book. I'm actually I'm very excited. It's, a, it's like exciting times. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. So some things have changed with me uh, recently. I won't go into a lot of details um, about what happened, only due to my respect uh, with people. I'm not very big on slamming people or, you know, just doing things. Uh, Change does happen. Decisions are made. So I am currently no longer with Lighthouse Comic Studio. I made a decision last week to leave due to creative differences and really just reflection on what I wanted from a business standpoint. It was a very hard decision for me uh, to give up a baby project that I founded. I was the visionary uh, editor, marketer, and I'm sure some of you guys noticed with my Instagram account has changed. It's no longer Arclight. Uh, It's no longer Lighthouse Comic Studios. So it is PhD in comics uh, for now. Uh, I'll be posting stuff about Arclight. I'll be posting my own personal uh, family stuff, uh, thoughts I have. It's going to be an exploration, but a page where you could basically see who I am and stuff and Arclight and get other things. So it's going to act like another beacon back to the Arclight uh, Instagram account. So um, like I said, I still support the team. I'm still friends with them. I left on good terms. Um, some heartaches and stuff. It's always hard to make the decision to leave. However, it happens with life. I had to do what was best for me. Um, sometimes you have to do that. So, again, this goes the same. You've been hearing me since episode one talk about Lighthouse Comic Studios and certain things. And this happens. Change always happens. I'm in the midst of it, and it happened. I had to give up, you know, my project and my original thing. And it happens. So, I wish that team the best. Um, also promote uh, when they have the release of it. Uh, just because of respect that I have for the characters and the creators as well. So you'll hear a little bit more. Don't worry about that one. Let you guys hang. So whenever they choose to do uh, Kickstarter, GoFundMe, whatever uh, version they want to do, I'll make sure to give a holler out on my Instagram account and well through the podcast. So, yeah. So, yeah. Great guys. <laughs> Great guys. So the book, the guide. As I was saying, you know, we are going into everything. I know we kind of, like, we can never go into everything on the podcast episode. Not if you want to. It'll be a four-hour episode. So <laughs> we can never just go all the way in. But in the book, we go over, like I said earlier in the episode, the collaboration. It takes a special kind of setting and technique to be able to collaborate the way that we do. And we use an art form 
or a collaborative art form called plessing. The term was coined by Walt Disney himself back in the days of when they were doing, you know, the old classic Disney films. And it's a way to pass constructive criticism and feedback around in such a way that builds off of ideas, rather creates a space that keeps them from coming out altogether. So we go into our collaborative techniques and uh, some of how ideas get started, like for issue four, for issue three, how we jumpstart the storyboard phase, how we determine when we're finished with the storyboard phase and have, then go into story engineering and things like that. We have different versions of the script in for issue four. Uh, I think it's issue three as well in the book, or rather in the guide, showing you like the, the, the iterative process on I mean you, you never get it right the first time I think that's, that's the important thing you, the stories suck when you first start out it's <laughs> a hard process then, so. right right you never start out with a great story but over time through these different phases especially in your, your, your storyboard and your story engineering phase that's what you refine storyboard where you create the mess, story engineering is when you refine. And we take you through all that process and whatnot. Um, talk about an editorial calendar, how that would have been really, really helpful for issues two and three for us. <laughs> we got we got an editorial calendar for issues four and five. We're on a timetable now. We got deadlines. We talk about setting all that up, um, structuring that, what you need to do. Uh, if you think it's going to take... Um, X amount of days for you to write the script. This is what it's really going to take. You times this by this, and, and you work within that time frame. I mean, it's it's really comprehensive. It's, it really is designed for you to not have to go on Google <laughs> and ask Google the, the the fill in the blanks for you. We, we really try to cover all the bases and fill out all the blanks with this guide, so you can read it from start to finish and get your own mini issue out. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about the mini issues. Because everybody's like, uh, not everybody, but it, it, it's a different concept. Uh, one page stores. <laughs> You'll have no idea how hard that is. Right. <laughs> but the return on that investment and doing those for free have been invaluable. Because now everybody understands. You can you can talk about it. You know, oh, we're we're going to be talking about social commentary, and social injustices, and this, this, that, and the other, and this is going to be really, really great. And this and that. You can talk about it like that. You can sit there and say that all day. But when people are actually able to read and to enjoy what you're talking about in the medium it's supposed to be, it takes a whole and when that happens and when it's executed well the level of relationship building trust respect all that stuff starts coming together and I, I we talked about this when we first when I first started the mini issues that was the intent I wanted to make sure that people trusted us with telling a good story 
that people trusted us being able to tell character-driven stories, trusted us with diversity and representation, trusted us with doing something new and different. The many issues validate all of that. All, every single thing I look to do with the many issues, they do it for us. Oh, I didn't know you guys were doing this. I never saw this before. Oh, really? Well, there's five more on the site you can download for free right now if you really want to go do it. You know? They've been working so well. I really couldn't have asked for a better vehicle to illustrate what Arclight was about other than those. So, produce yourself a mini. It's challenging to put a story, a good story from start to finish on one page because there are times where we have, and it's in the, it's in the key guide too, we've gone on and on and on with it. They were like, guys, we only have one page. We can't do all this. <laughs> we have to scale it back. But because we have this process, had we had two, three, four, five, six pages to work with, we could have scaled that story accordingly to the page count that we had. The challenge is putting it on one page with many issues. If we had more pages, I can only imagine how much better those stories would be, you know? But um, but being able to, I think it, it really just, they really challenged us, they pushed us in a direction I don't think we would have gotten anywhere else doing two pages or three pages you know um so they've been a blessing in disguise really they really have and for us to be able to actually tie them all together that was a suggestion by tim he said why don't we just like tie them all together you know have them and then we started we didn't that that wasn't i was not intending to do that the, the intent was to just keep telling different kinds of stories you know whatever we wanted to tell for that month but Tim came in on issue two or issue three. He's like, why don't we you know, fold some of the larger universe into these issues? And I was like, huh, that's a good idea. And issue four, we actually did tie some of it together in Riot's captions. He mentioned Bolt and he mentioned Tremor and the events that they went through. In issue five, you really see how things get really tied together. So we actually did tell an entire story over five pages, if you want to read it. But on their own, they're all individual stories you can enjoy by themselves. So it's very interesting. I just want to say as well, I've heard other people talk about, oh, why is Arclight doing the diversity thing? Why are you guys just doing the shock and awe approach? I want you guys to know that the Arclight universe is set in a realistic universe, meaning that we're going to be telling things that take place we're going to be telling things from our own perspectives that we're not going to always be one-sided and different views we're going to tell different aspects and that's the fun part of having a creative outlook such as comics to be able to express our ourselves through that and if you think that we're one-sided uh or doing this for attention we're not we're just doing stories that resonate with us that we want to do and there's nothing wrong with that, it, it, whether it's borrowing from what's going on in the media and stuff. I mean, one of the successful shows of uh, Law & Order, especially Law & Order SVU, Dick Wolf. If you don't know who that guy is, he's a brilliant. He does Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Med. 
This guy takes realistic stuff that goes on and tells stories and rewrites it with his own characters. Does a phenomenal job with it. So that's that's what we're doing here at Arclight. We're telling our fictional characters in realistic settings. And I just want you just to know that because I've been hearing certain people state that and you know, I want you to understand like the reason behind that is we're going to be telling things that are going to be pushing a little bit. Go Girl pushes the boundaries a little bit. I guarantee you're not going to read a lot of stuff from self-harm. I have not seen it out there. You know, uh, we did the Donald Trump thing, whether you agree or disagree with it, uh, whether you're voting for him or not. You know, it's up to, you know, up to our own perspective what we see things. Same thing with all the All Black Lives Matter movement with issue number one so it goes to say that we're you know we're playing in our own reality with different things and that's the fun aspect is not being limited to the boundaries right and if you don't if you don't want to read the the more realistic things then marvel dc's right there images is still there boom idw if you want the escapism and the fantasy those are right there for you but arclight is not doing that for that, I don't care who that disappoints. It just, it just won't. Art like what just won't be for you. I'm not. We're not writing those stories for you. So if you don't like, if you don't like Donald Trump, or if you do like Donald Trump, if you don't like Black Lives Matter, if you like Black Lives Matter, if you don't like listening about bullying and this, this, that, and the other, I'm sorry. That's not changing. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so there's, 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 there's thousands and thousands, thousands of other titles out there for you to read and enjoy, and other companies. But Arclight is not going to change its stance on that. It's just not. So thank you for uh, what you did read. Thank you for uh, trying to read it, understand it. You know, if it's not your cup of tea, it's not your cup of tea. I wish you all the best and um, enjoy what you enjoy reading. So that's that. Uh, <laughs> you got to take a hard stance on your, your vision and some, you know, your dreams. No, I, I think you know? that's why I... Yeah, and that's why I brought it up. Is I've been hearing different people. I just wanted people to hear it from, you know, my perspective. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people understand from your perspective. I just didn't think a lot of people heard it from mine. I really wanted to state that out right. there. You know, it is an option if you want to read. Um, and that's the great thing about ArcLight. We don't work in the boundaries of what other people want. We're telling stories that what we want to tell. And I'll tell you this as being any career to another any career is tell the stories that you want to tell. You'll find your niche, you'll find your audience, and don't get discouraged and don't let the namesayers get in your way of telling you to do X, Y, and Z, or you're doing this for attention, you're doing this for shock value. You can't tell that because that's offensive. You tell what you want to tell. You're a story and you have that ability. That's the best thing about creativity as well. And this medium of comics is you're able to express yourself. So express yourself. Right. These are, the, these are the stories I wanted to read about when I was doing and, and still want to read now. So I'm, I'm creating... Uh, you, you, sometimes you got to be who you needed when you were younger. Or five years ago, or ten years ago, or whatever. And you can't sway from that. You can't buckle because you have a couple people saying something um, discerning about... Dissenting about what you're doing. It's whatever. I mean, all in shock. If that's the perspective that you feel you need to view it in, then by all means, and we're all and we're all shocked. 
we're all uh, all in in in, in twenty attention, then that's that. But <laughs> the people that I asked yesterday, the people who actually care about Arclay and want to read what we have to put out. What they're saying is phenomenal, and it resonates right back with us, and I cannot appreciate those people enough. Those are the people that I'm worried about. Those are the people we're producing stories for. Those are the people that I'm talking to on this podcast. I'm, I'm, we're doing it for those people. Everybody else, thank you nope, for listening. Thank you, you know, thank you for listening. Thank you for, for tr- trying to read and getting involved. If we're not your cup of tea, there's 100 million other flavors out there. And that's that. So, are we done? Yes, sir. <laughs> that that feels good to do. Six-hour episode. We will see y'all next Thursday. So, get the book, though, before Monday. <laughs> All right, y'all. Have a good one. We'll see y'all next Thursday. Bye.